0: Welcome to the Wallace SEL podcast series. I'm Lucas Held, Director of Communications at the Wallace Foundation, and I'm delighted to have you join us today. This is the third of three episodes exploring social and emotional learning with Dr. Stephanie Jones, who is one of the foremost researchers in social and emotional learning in the country, uh, and is based at Harvard University's Graduate School of Education, where she is Gerald S. Lesser, Professor of Early Childhood Education and Director of the EASL Lab. And EASL stands for Ecological Approaches to Social and Emotional Learning. And we're also very pleased to be joined by Thelma Ramirez, um, who is co-author of uh, an important new publication, Navigating SEL from the Inside Out, second edition, which we discussed in our last episode. And Thelma is a research assistant at the Easel Lab, uh, where she primarily supports the SEL analysis uh, project. So in this episode, uh, we'll be discussing the cutting edge of SEL, uh, culturally relevant SEL, and the intersection of SEL and equity. Um, And uh, with that, uh, welcome Stephanie and Thelma, and thank you again for uh, uh, joining me today. Um, so let, let's dive right in. Um, uh, in the U.S., the need to address ethnic and racial disparities uh, within uh, the educational system, a- and I should say, really, as part of a broader effort to help every child in America learn uh, and 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 have the way kind of ready for uh, a productive and uh, uh, a- and rewarding life. Um, Uh, has become a primary focus of conversations uh, in the area of educational equity. Um, So help us think about the relationship between educational equity and SEL, which might not to everyone, at least at first blush, uh, uh, seem connected. Uh, So Thelma, do you want to kick us off?
1: Sure. so, first off, I think it's important to think about what educational equity means for the United States context in 2021. So, the past two years, the Black Lives Matter movement and nationwide uprisings against police brutality led to this significant um, shift in conversations about how to address racial inequality and structural inequity in our school systems, in our classrooms. And um, as these conversations began, um, I think educators and staff really began to more closely examine their own practice. Um, and we saw these, you know, conversations extend to social and emotional learning that was happening in the classroom. And so this is kind of where social and emotional learning really enters that conversation. Um, and you asked specifically about the relationship between educational equity and SEL. In our work, um, and, and you'll, you know, see in the guide is that we find that there's a lot of alignment between um, educational equity and social and emotional learning. And in fact, you know, high quality SEL programs use and rely on many of the same practices that contribute to um, more equitable and inclusive learning environments. So practices like creating, you um, Environments that are equitable and um, that are you know inclusive, um, building student voice and agency, um, cultivating respect for you know cultural differences and celebrating cultural differences in the classroom. These are all practices that are you know part of um, high quality SEO programming already and also contribute to um, more equitable learning environments.
0: Thank you. Thelma and and so let let's turn to Stephanie because Stephanie in our uh, first episode you, you discussed um, and Thelma discussed SEL as a kind of a uh, shall we say a, a booster rocket to uh, a, a, or uh, extra propellant or uh, yeah pick, pick your automotive <laughs> metaphor uh, <laughs> turbocharging academic performance so how. How 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 do you think about the relationship uh between uh educational equity and SEL?
2: So um uh somewhat similar to um the exercise we engaged with uh the in the first episode, when I think about these two areas, educational equity and social emotional learning together, I try and cast my head uh into the sort of the, the feeling and the meaning for the child. And, you know, um, for a child, when I think about what SEL experiences or supports might mean for a child, I think about a child who feels safe as if they belong and that they are notice, noticed and seen. So in the classroom, Ideally, what we want is for every child to feel that they belong in that place, that they are safe in that place, and that those around them notice them and see them, see them for who they are and what they bring. And that's, you know, that's a core part of of social and emotional learning. The, The supports that come along with social emotional learning are intended to To build that experience, to enable that for all the children and all the adults, I would add, who are in that setting working and learning together. Um, In a way, educational equity, when we think about what that means for a child, is something similar, which is that I am seen and heard here, my needs will be noticed and met, and I belong who I am, where I come from. I'm part of this group. And um, those two, so the the part of the reason that we put this chapter together is that there's been a lot of conversation. One of the frontiers uh, of SEL is to really talk about how these worlds come together. Where are they similar and where are they different? And you know, what are the kinds of practices that we might find in existing SEL programs or that we could identify and add that support this idea that is common to the bo- both of them, which is ideas that are central to educational equity. Of course, it's not everything, like I haven't described everything about each of these, um, but a part of it that is overlapping and ideas that are core to social and emotional learning. And so that's kind of what we tried to do with this with this chapter.
0: Thelma, uh, Stephanie mentioned uh, children and youth wanting to be noticed, wanting to be seen and recognized for their assets and their needs, and also feel a sense of belonging. And and as we think about equity, one of the central notions of equity is that uh, everyone deserves to succeed. And some groups, uh, for historical reasons, might need different kinds of or more support. So I, I, as we think about SEL in terms of equity, uh, do we have any data on whether uh, some groups are less likely to feel noticed, seen, or, 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 or feel like they belong uh, in, in some dimensions of school?
1: I think that that field is still growing. So there's not a ton of... Um, research studies, but we do have some information. Um, so, in general, the you know academic benefits and educational gains confirmed by SEL certainly extend to all students, and that includes students from minority groups and students of color. But what we also know is that culturally responsive, being culturally responsive in SEL programming, is important and it's effective. So there is, there is some information out there about that. And there's a lot more research on the effectiveness of culturally relevant pedagogy and culturally responsive teaching as a whole and the benefits that that has on students from minority groups, students of color, and quite honestly, on all students that are part of that classroom.
0: Got it. Um, is there some feeling that, uh, so you, you mentioned this is kind of a new frontier uh was there some feeling that some students were kind of being left behind, as it were, uh, uh, in the area of SEL uh, in 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 prior years,
2: maybe in prior decades? I think that there has been a perception and a reality, um, in truth, that uh, on implementation, that some of the expectations, strategies, and structures. That are embedded in SEL programs might overly uh, or unintentionally uh, marginalize students who struggle with things like behavior or who have been uh, like exposed to adversity and trauma. And that some of the expectations that I think are not actually consistent with what SEL is about or is intended to do can be implemented in ways that uh, increase the likelihood that certain children are going to struggle. So, so for example, um, expectations for um, lots of self-control. <laughs> so, so s- sometimes the work of SEL can be understood as a set of uh, strategies that are intended to control children's behavior or uh, give them the tools to help themselves control their own behavior and that they can be overly and misapplied to children who might struggle with behavior. And that's lots of different kinds of kids. Uh, It can some, in some cases uh, be overly applied to boys and children of color. And I think that that's where we begin to see SEL as something that can largely unintentionally Marginalize certain kids in the classroom. And I say this very carefully because i I think when we look at sort of the expectations and intentions of high quality developmentally oriented SEL programming, um, it's that's not the goal. but sometimes on implementation, that is the consequence. And so, you know, every time we design a strategy or a practice or some sort of support or prevention program, we have to think about how things play out in real settings and what are potential unintended consequences and how we can like walk those back and ensure they don't happen. So I think that that's where you were going with your question.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, Thelma thoughts.
1: No, I think that, that, um, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I, I think the, the framing around, the framing that, you know, high quality SEO programming has it specifically like asset-based that aligns also with, you know, equity-oriented practices in the classroom is exactly that, right? So there's absolutely ways to, you know, start off an SEO program and have it be deficit-based. And, you know, I've had conversations with some teachers who will say, oh, this is this is going to be really helpful for XYZ student. And we go back to how it's helpful for all of our students and the, the purpose of, you know, SEL strategies and skill building. Um, so, again, the emphasis on asset-based skill development is so, so important. Would
0: you say, Stephanie, that in a sense equity has become kind of um well incorporated into thinking about um, SEL and um, the kinds of approaches that are, are are being developed?
2: I think not yet. Um, what uh, actually Thelma and her team in our group um, did in developing that chapter and the related component in the guide was really look closely. So first, sort of what might equitable SEL look like? What, what's a good definition of it? And given the fields that are intersecting that help us understand it, define it. And then um, what are the kinds of practices that we would imagine would be embedded in, a, in an idea of equitable SEL? And do we see those in current SEL programs? And the answer is like, sometimes. Not all the time. <laughs> so and and I might even say sometimes, not very much of the time. So um which is probably a little bit more accurate to the state of things. But that but that in our mind says opportunity is knocking. Like there there are um there are practices that can be woven back into SEL programs that do the things that Thalma was talking about, which are, you know, deeply asset based, that affirm uh, the experiences and the lives of the children in the room, like bring their experiences into the room that are um, about in the same way, uh, adults own experiences and their backgrounds, bring those into the room. So, so lots of things that can be enacted that build that feeling of, I belong, I'm safe here. The needs that I have will be noticed and met. Like those are, those are things that, I don't think any of us would disagree with, right? There are things that we want, like we want them at work, we want them at home, certainly, and we want them for our children in the places where they are.
0: As we think about equity in SEL and equity in education more more generally, it's hard to avoid um, the political conversation, which is around critical race theory and um, in some Fashions critical race theory has been linked to notions of equity. How do you think about SEL in the context of these um, political controversies? And I'm wondering how do we um, how should we think about incorporating SEL g- given the kind of fraught uh, uh, national conversation? Uh, let's start with Stephanie.
2: I I have a complicated relationship with this question because I still find myself not really understanding, this sounds ridiculous, but like not really understanding what's going on. So, um, and and this state of confusion um, rests, I think, in this idea that, that perhaps there's um, um, either a complete and fundamental misunderstanding of what SEL is intended to be and do, And we've talked in two episodes a lot about what that is, and I hope that that's helpful to folks who listen. Um, uh, The other part of it is um, that maybe ideas that are embedded in SEL programs that are about these key and important things that I think we all agree on, safety, belonging, having one's needs met, have been distorted to serve other purposes um, and sort of carrying SEL along with that. I think that those two things could be happening. And I know that um, there is certainly a lot of talk about how these things go together, whether they do, do they actually happen in schools? And what I've noticed as I've as I've encountered these conversations is that very often um, those who are working in schools, those who are... Um, making decisions on school boards, those who are making decisions in schools who are the leaders and decision makers are often um, understanding what SEL is and is intended to do and trying to continue the work despite what I think is maybe a co-opted agenda of some sort. So I'll turn it to Thelma.
1: Yeah, no, I think, um, I've heard a lot of these conversations, and I think if, you know, parents are basing, in particular, I'm thinking about parents because I've worked with, you know, we've been working with teachers in schools, and I haven't heard as much, or I haven't heard anything really um, from teachers in particular. And I think that's because that's exactly right, Stephanie. I think teachers have a more nuanced understanding of what social and emotional learning is, and even the fact that, you know, critical race theory is not something that would be happening in elementary schools. And it's a totally different field as um, is like ethnic studies, which is another topic that I think has been brought into the conversation. So I haven't heard it from teachers in particular, but I think if I were a parent and and if my understanding and view of social and emotional learning was based on headlines, um, absolutely. You know, these fears are totally legitimate, but again, um, it's really, you know, I think, you know, um, based on my limited understanding of of where this information is coming from, it's it's based on a misconception of what SCL is and does, and it's so important to, you know, to to provide the information for parents to then make decisions because I think the topic of parents' rights has also come into the conversation and their role and say and what their children are taught, and I think that's we. I think it's important to listen to parents. I think it's important to listen to their concerns, and I think it's important that we respond and provide the information to them so that they have a genuine, you know, a genuine understanding of what it is that actually would be happening in the classroom.
0: And just to build on that, it probably uh, uh, d- does make sense to use. Uh, Ordinary language, uh, you, uh, you've, you've been using language of safety, uh, belonging, uh, being seen, uh, needs. Uh, these these are oftentimes when we're confronted with jargon, um, uh, we, we can kind of affix uh, our, own, uh, uh, our, our, our own meaning uh, uh, to it. Uh, and... Uh, uh, I, I think it was, um, uh, uh, and it becomes very hard to define. And I, I think it was Nietzsche actually who said, um, uh, only that which has never existed can be defined. Uh, so so we're, we, we, we're sort of plunged into this uh, uh, maelstrom. Um, well, this has been a, a, a terrific uh, discussion with um, Stephanie Jones uh, and Thelma Ramirez of the Harvard Graduate School of Education and the Easel Lab. Um, we invite uh, all of you to uh, uh, explore uh, the great uh, insights of uh, Stephanie and Thelma and uh, other members of their team uh, in the report Navigating SEL from the Inside Out, second edition. It's on the website wallacefoundation.org and available uh, free of charge. Uh, thank you uh, uh, to both of you uh, and we look forward to a conversation sometime in the future. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much for having us. It was really delightful to chat with you.
1: Thank you for having us.